Hello and welcome to the second series of the Convergence Radio Show. My name is Ben Bowler from Unity Earth and we are delighted to be bringing you this series. Over the last 12 months, there continues to be a tremendous upswing in groups and organizations who are working for peace, sustainability and global unity and who are now finding each other and initiating innovative and inspirational ways of collaboration. We see this interwoven work as the gestation period of an emerging world unity movement and it's growing stronger and more vibrant and more alive every day. After the great success of Series 1, the first 13 episodes of this Convergence radio show, we felt both compelled and excited to continue the conversation with thought leaders, pioneers, activists, artists, entrepreneurs and visionaries who are all powerfully participating in this emerging global act of creation. The need for global unity, planetary consciousness, has never been more urgent and never been more possible. As we inspire and encourage one another on our personal journeys of waking up and growing up, this then drives the collective waking up and growing up that we need. The time really is now. Together, all together, we continue to fuel the fire and this momentous build-up on the road to 2020 towards a more unified, peaceful and sustainable planet. Now over to our chief instigator and your series host, the one and only Dr. Kurt Johnson. Thank you so much, Ben Bowler, for that introduction to the Unity Earth Convergence series. We're really happy to be presenting this Voice America special about the International Day of Yoga in collaboration with, and it's our great privilege, the United Nations NGO Committee for the International Day of Yoga. Our co-host for this entire program will be Denise Scotto, who is chairperson of the UN NGO Committee for the International Day of Yoga. Denise will shepherd us through the four segments of the program and host the dialogues with a wonderful number of distinguished guests, complete bios for whom are at the Convergence website. The program here on Voice America parallels a special issue of Unity Earth Network's Light on Light magazine, which is also appearing today. The persons and activities showcased in the magazine include many of the guests on this Voice America program, along with many more. So to begin with, I'm here with Light on Light's host and managing editors, Karuna and Shannon Winters, and I want to ask each of them to take a moment and extend a welcome to Denise from the Convergence on Voice America and Light on Light magazine. Then I simply want to hand the baton over to Denise and begin the program by asking an initial question to her about the International Day of Yoga itself. So first, a welcome from Karuna. Oh, well, welcome, everybody, and welcome, Denise, from the host team here at Voice America. We're so happy, and it's so wonderful to have you as part of our spotlight on yoga. In the special Voice America issue in April, it was just so incredible to have you. Thank you again. And then, so wonderful to have this suggestion, that your committee at the UN United Nations for the International Day of Yoga... Wow, it's just, it's just so wonderful. It, it, it's, it makes me speechless, as you can tell, because to really recognize Voice America 
in this special way and everything has everything to do with this international day and this celebration, this celebrating this role of yoga in the world. It's so amazing. So welcome, and we really look forward to this wonderful program that you've uh, put together for us, and thank you once again, Satnam. Great. Thanks, Karuna. Now, Shannon. Thank you, Kurt. Welcome, Denise, from all of us at Light on Light magazine. We were so pleased to host an issue with a spotlight on yoga in March with you as one of our contributors. It provided us with a glimpse of the wonderful work of your committee at the United Nations, who were key in the process of establishing the International Day of Yoga. Light on Light is an online e-zine that is available digitally through the ISSUU e-publishing platform. So then we were thrilled when this idea for a Voice America special and special edition issue of Light on Light magazine was to be created to serve this year's celebrations of the International Day of Yoga. So welcome again, and we really look forward to hearing from all of your guests. Thank you so much, both Karuna and Shannon. Well, Denise, we hope you and your guests feel the profound welcome that we're extending you both from Voice America and from Light on Light magazine. So, Denise, to begin with, what is the International Day of Yoga? Well, first, Kurt, I would love to thank you, Karuna, and Shannon. It's so privileged for me to be invited and to be part of this very special Voice America segment and to represent the International Day of Yoga Committee at the UN. So many, many thanks for all your efforts and for this incredible opportunity from all of us at the UN to bring out our information, the information of the UN, to so many more people. Thank you very much. For those of you who don't know, the International Day of Yoga, or as some of us call it, Yoga Day, is June 21. So every year it's the same day, 21 June. Yoga Day is an official day that the UN observes. It's in the UN official calendar. And you ask, well, how does this happen? I'll tell you. It happens because we have had a special designation back in December 2014, so a little bit more than three years ago, members of the General Assembly of the UN adopted Resolution 69 backslash 131. And I'd like to explain that the UN, for those of you who may not know, is made up of over 191, that's 191 member states, and that this resolution was passed by an unprecedented number of votes, 177 member states. You heard that right, 177 member states all agreed to that. Can you believe it? To me and to many people uh, who've observed this, realize that it shows how incredibly popular yoga is around the world. For something like this to happen, it really demonstrates that yoga has become popular, recognized, and practiced in one form or another globally so that now we have a special official UN Day for all of us to celebrate. The International Day of Yoga has a special emphasis and focus on health. 
because the U.N. has a critical area of concern for its member states, which is to foster good health, because we know health is a building block to life and to living. So this resolution really supports the goal of health. But it goes so far uh, beyond that in the sense that global health is seen and viewed as a long-term development goal for the U.N. and all the member states and all the nations and countries. And what this means is that we need healthy people to build healthy societies, to build healthy nations, just to have healthy families, right? Health is such a cornerstone of so many things. The resolution also recognizes that yoga provides a holistic approach to health and well-being. And I want to pause here because it's important to emphasize two things that the resolution really touches upon. One is the word holistic because it expands the idea of health and what that means. The other is well-being because, again, it expands the understanding of health. And it's critical because for so many years, this idea of health in the U.N. has just been seen as limited to the physical body. There's been more an idea of expansion of health that goes beyond the physical form, and the resolution talks about well-being so that now we understand the emotional, mental, and even the spiritual component to health and what that means. So it's so significant in many reasons, and especially for these two areas. Finally, the resolution calls on member states, UN entities and agencies, because the UN has many different specialized agencies that are part of it. It calls upon NGOs, non-governmental organizations that have special status or accreditation to the UN, as well as civil society as a whole, and individuals, you know, just everyday people. And it invites everyone to really raise awareness about the benefits of practicing yoga and how significant yoga is to health. So there are a range of ways to take action, and it can be something very simple from sending an email to a friend wishing them a happy yoga day to doing something that takes a lot more activity and effort, such as organizing an event uh, where people go outdoors in a park and and practice yoga, or maybe uh, where people get together in a group and you hold a meditation. You know, and then there are so many other things in between those two. So uh, we can see that there is a vastness of the understanding about yoga and what that is and what that means. And according to one's understanding, people can take action differently. But every year from now on, since 2014 when the resolution was passed, the U.N. holds and sponsors official events in and around the time. It may not be on June 21. It may be June 20th. It may be June 22nd. But in and around that time, there's official U.N. observances, not only in New York where the U.N. has New York headquarters, but in other areas too. So I hope this explains a little bit about the history of the International Day of Yoga, how it came to be, 
and what the underlying meaning is behind it and how it's inviting everyone to raise awareness and making it something that you can take into your own life. No, great. Thank you, Denise. And everyone, pardon me for almost breaking in a couple times because I don't think any of us were aware of how much there is here. So we're really in for an exciting program. So just to remind the audience, now Denise is going to be guiding the program from here on. She'll be leading the welcomes and the breaks for each section and then introducing and dialoguing with her guests. Now Karuna and I will be back again in Section 4 as we wrap up to tell you more about Convergence episodes in the future. So now we're happy to launch here and pass the baton over to Denise to guide the rest of this exciting program. Thank you so much, Kurt, Karuna, and Shannon, for such a warm welcome. This is an honor for me to be a co-host here on Voice America and to share with you about the UN, an institution which I believe in quite strongly and feel so passionate about. I'm delighted to present our special guests who will draw from their backgrounds and expertise to explain their understanding of yoga and its philosophy, methods, and the impacts on an individual's life, but also upon our greater society and the world at large. You'll hear from special guests, Dr. Padmini Murthy, who will join us shortly, Sister Mary Friedland of the Brahma Kumaras Chicago Center, Judy Rogers, founder of Images and Voices of Hope, Philip Helmlich from the Shift Network and the International Day of Yoga Festival at Parmath Nikitan Ashran in Rishikesh, India, Gurmakar Khalsa and Karuna, and Deniz Laikul, UN-accredited NGO representative and yoga teacher. Now, let's start our discussion. The first guest is Dr. Padmini Murthy. Dr. Murthy is a practicing physician, but also a global public health expert. She holds an MD, but also an MPH. And like me, she was a staff member working inside the UN. And now she represents NGOs accredited to the UN, and she's on the International Day of Yoga Committee Executive Board. She's spoken on panels at the UN and at various community events that we've held. A very warm welcome to you, Dr. Murthy. Thank you so much, Denise, and please call me Minnie. I mean, we've been working together for so long, and thank you so much to your co-host, and Wise of America for having this important program. Um, and Denise, do you want to start questioning me? Absolutely. Um, we know how health is such an important part of the UN's work and that there's a specialized agency, the WHO or the World Health Organization. Can you tell us, Minnie, how you see yoga uh, and the Yoga Day resolution that was enacted impacting on the health agenda within the UN organization and within member states? Thank you so much, Denise. One of the things I just would like to say that, as we know, uh, the definition of health, as uh, put forward by the WHO in 1948, uh, says health is a... a a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And, you know, there's been 
there has been so much of research out there that yoga has had so many benefits. And very briefly, I want to talk about it. And I think the WHO also is recognizing this along with the other, uh, you know, health agencies. And yoga, uh, the practice of yoga is being incorporated more and more uh, when talking about health and well-being. And one of the things uh, I just want to very briefly, Denise, just talk about, there was an article published in the Journal of Effective Disorders, and they found that the practice of Sudarshana Kriya Yoga helped to reduce depression and decrease, and there was a decrease in stress hormones among, you know, 60 or so uh, alcohol-dependent subjects. Um, So... I'm just telling you how this is such a great therapy, uh, helping people to kind of get over uh, their uh, darkest uh, despair. And that is just on the mental health. It's shown to help women um, reduce their uh, premenstrual tension. And there are several studies now which show the benefits of yoga on cardiovascular system. And now many centers across the U.S. are including the practice of yoga in many cardiac rehabilitation programs. So in the past 10 years, Denise, there's been such a shift to recognize yoga um, and the tremendous benefits it has on health. And it's very interesting. There was a physician who was a surgeon, and he suffered a stroke a couple of years ago. And then he realized, and he did not have any of the so-called risk factors. Now, he's been practicing yoga for one hour a day. He does pranayama and other asanas. And he's actually even incorporating teaching residents uh, so that they can uh, counsel their patients when they become practicing physicians on the benefits of yoga. And very briefly, there has been another um, study which was reported by the Israeli Medical Association uh, where they have found chronic pain has reduced so much uh, uh, when a patient with chronic pain were um, supervised and uh, told how to do specific yoga exercises. Similarly, uh, a study conducted recently in Ohio State University uh, showed that the energy levels for breast cancer patients improved so much with yoga, and it really helped to reduce their inflammation and pain. Um, So just briefly, there are so many uh, health benefits of yoga, and more and more, um, everybody, I would say the global community, including academia, institutions, are looking at how can yoga be added in to so many curricula. Well, I so appreciate you telling us about these recent studies and findings, and partly the UN recognizes that there is such serious uh, evidence that yoga does provide beneficial impacts on the physical body, but also on well-being and the mental body. What you also spoke about, which is very interesting, goes into more of the eight limbs of yoga. You know, you spoke about the physical uh, poses, the asanas, but we know there's so much more. And you spoke about Ayurveda, and you spoke about pranayama. 
Can you just give us a little bit more about that and how you see those in terms of the benefits of practicing that in one's health and one's daily life? Thank you, Denise. Um, I very briefly, I just want to say that pranayama does so much more than just uh, build up healthy lungs. It also helps to reduce the stress and uh, overall well-being. And you just mentioned about Ayurveda so that, you know, we just keep the time here. Ayurveda is basically, it's a way of living. And there are more and more, especially on the West Coast and in Europe where they are including Ayurveda in like it is called integrative or complementary medicine. And one of the things about Ayurveda is it has shown, is really practiced uh, according to what is told by a, a you know, a Ayurvedic physician who's well-versed and also uh, combining it with yoga. It has even found to reduce uh, diabetic, uh, you know, produce, uh, reduce the blood sugar levels in many diabetics. So these are really uh, great uh, sources because one of the things, Denise, which I find fascinating, even though I'm trained in the Western medicine, is that the symptoms, not only are the symptoms addressed, but the cause of what is responsible for these symptoms is also addressed by Ayurveda. So really, it's a lifestyle change. And I think we all in in every way we can as a global community if we start focusing on how we can make these little changes to our life will really help to benefit us and increase our productivity. And I think it's really great that we have the International Yoga Day, which is being celebrated uh, for the past few years at the United Nations, because this ju- just helps to give credibility. And on a personal note, I myself have found so much of relief practicing pranayama religiously every day for my severe allergies. So, uh, you know, I just want to share that with the, your audience that I myself have found a lot of benefits and I highly endorse yoga. So thank you so much for having me on the show, Denise. Om Shanti Om. Minnie, we so appreciate you contextualizing this and telling us about the dearth of scientific information that backs up the really uh, significant health benefits to one's uh, individual life and to have you share from your own personal experience of pranayama and then to contextualize putting in uh, the Western medical model that we have in healthcare with the holistic approach of Ayurveda and utilizing so many of the other limbs of yoga. Uh, I think that it's really helped us to have a better understanding of how the UN sees things now uh, with regard to health and how yoga fits in. So, again, I so appreciate you taking the time from your busy schedule to be with us and uh, look forward to uh, celebrating the International Day of Yoga 2018 with you. Uh, Take good Thank care. you so much. And just on a last note, it has even helped to improve the blood flow to uh, fetuses among pregnant women and also helps in, you know, overall uh, well-being of the mother and child too. So that's it. So thank you so much. Well, the benefits of yoga are endless and go on and on and on. But at this point, we're going to be taking a short break now. 
And when we return, we'll speak about the positive benefits of yoga and well-being in, in addition to how yoga really provides us spiritual benefits and nurtures a spiritual orientation if we're really open to that in terms of looking inward and looking into our true nature and the purpose as to why we are fully human. So we'll take a short break now and rejoin in a little while. Over the last 18 months, this Convergence radio series has been covering events on the road to 2020. Launched in New York in 2016, the Road to 2020 is a series of global events bringing greater visibility to the work of unity, peace, justice, harmony, and world transformation. Events so far have included the Crestone Convergence in Colorado, the return to country of Mungo Man in Australia, and Uday Festival in Ethiopia. Next along the road is the Toronto Convergence, coinciding with the Parliament of World's Religions in November. 2018. 2019 will showcase Uday Festival in India, land of spiritual harmony. And then it's to Jerusalem for World Interfaith Harmony Week 2020, where many will gather for healing and deep transformation. The culmination of all this is the Caravan of Unity across America in September 2020, beginning on the West Coast and finishing back in New York, where it began on the International Day of Peace, September 21st. For more information and to get on the road, go to unity.org earth and follow the links to the road to 2020 you are tuned in to the convergence you may connect with our program today by calling toll-free 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send us an email to info at onegod.com. That's I-N-F-O at the number one, God.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to The Convergence on Voice America. This is Denise Scotto. Chair of the International Day of Yoga Committee at the United Nations. I'm pleased to welcome everyone as we talk about the International Day of Yoga and the meaning behind celebrating it. In segment one, we spoke about the history of how it became an official UN Day and how it's celebrated across the world and the underlying purpose of the international observance. We spoke about the UN General Assembly Resolution and how the ancient practices of yoga and how they affect health and well-being came about. We also talked about the beneficial impact of yoga on our physical body, and now we want to turn our attention to yoga's positive effects on individuals, on the emotions, the mental, and spiritual health expanding the definition from just the physical form. We have two wonderful guests joining us today, 
And I'd like to welcome our first guest, who is Sister Mary Friedland. Mary is the coordinator of the Brahma Kumaras activities for Chicago and the Midwest. Welcome, Mary. It's great that you could join us. Thank you, Denise. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. Mary, for those of you who don't know about the Brahma Kumaris, can you share with us a little bit about the organization? Sure. We're an international spiritual organization. Our headquarters are in India, and we're all over the world. We practice meditation, a form of meditation called Raja Yoga, and people usually think of yoga as doing poses, but there are actually many forms of yoga, and this is our form, Raja Yoga, which is meditation. Uh, The word yoga literally means connection, and so Raja Yoga means connecting with my higher self and connecting with the highest being. And we study this, we practice it, and we offer it to the world free of charge at all of our centers. So I am just curious, how many years has the Brahma Kumaris been involved uh, in teaching Raja Yoga in the United States? Well, this is our more than 40 years, actually. Of course, you never... um, When you start something, you don't really know what's going to happen and how it's going to take root, so we can't exactly say the day that we started, but it's been over 40 years, and actually this year we're celebrating our 40th anniversary. We started out in Texas, New York, California. Those are still the key places where we have members, but I'm in Chicago in the middle of the country, and this is perhaps the fastest-growing Um, population for us as an organization is in the Midwest right now. Well, congratulations on that milestone of 40 years. Here's to 40 more years. Um, I'm interested in how you, since you're in uh, Chicago, how uh, yoga affects the people in your local area and your local center there. It's quite interesting. I started out in California, which is kind of the incubator of yoga in the United States. And so it's a very different atmosphere. And then when I came to Chicago, Chicago is a very uh, kind of hardworking, practical, no-nonsense kind of a mentality. And I'm noticing now that the majority of the people who come to the centers are in their 20s or their early 30s, most of them. And people come with very specific um, obstacles that they want to overcome by studying Raja Yoga meditation. And to give you some examples, the last class that just finished, the April group, there were three or four young women who were grappling with anxiety. That was why they were there. Their therapist had told them, try meditation. Now, when the course was over and I asked them if their goals had been met, they all said, yes, my anxiety went way down starting from the first class. However, on days when I don't meditate, it goes up again. So that's one common application. Another one is a young man who also just came in that same group He came to Chicago to write his dissertation in physics. It was almost time to turn it in, 
and he hadn't gotten very far. He signed up for this meditation course, and when the course was over, he said, if I had not taken this course, I could not have finished my dissertation because my mind was just all over the place. And then a third application is several people came recently, um, all men, who said they had serious anger problems. And all of these men came with their wives when they studied meditation. I had serious anger problems. I studied meditation. My anger level went way down so that it's actually not a problem for my family anymore. So the interesting thing is in all of these cases, there was no focus on the problem, but there was the focus on the yoga. And ultimately... The reason we do all of these yogas, there's many benefits, but the way that yoga works is it makes us peaceful. And so without focusing on the problem, they practiced Raja Yoga meditation, they became peaceful inside, and those other negative influences uh, could not persevere in a peaceful environment. So those are some examples of how... Uh, yoga, all forms of yoga, including doing poses, but particularly in my experience, Raja Yoga meditation really makes our communities um, more vibrant, more harmonious places. Well, I appreciate you sharing those particular stories because so many of us on this call can relate to um, those examples. Uh, We live in a very busy, sometimes stressful world, and our lives have unexpected things that just happen because that's how life is. So I think by giving us the examples of anxiety, anger, um, really brings a lot uh, of hope to us to really understand how meditation, which is a form of yoga, has incredible positive benefits if we approach it in a sincere uh, and dedicated way where where we regularly are involved in its practice. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to add, Denise, that to do the poses, hatha yoga, to do those poses is also a first step in making the inner being peaceful. And I know for myself, I started doing yoga and meditation at the same time. I had to do an hour of yoga so that I could meditate for 15 minutes because my mind was so uncontrollable. Now it's the other way around. I meditate in the morning for 45 minutes, then I do 15 minutes of the poses, and that's fine for the day. But for many people who come to meditate, there is a need to um, kind of purify the body, the energy body, and the mind before we can start settling in and meditating. And so those poses, actually for a lot of people doing yoga, is a step towards um, going to a, a, a spiritual practice. This is such an excellent point that you brought up, Mary. It really is because I think so many people have a misconception about meditation and feel that, you know, they're just not able to do it, you know. So by explaining how important the physical poses can be as an aid, uh, really I think is significant for many people to understand and to see if this is 
in fact, a good approach for them if they have difficulty in terms of sitting in meditation. So Mm. thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm going to come back to you in a little while and ask you another question, but I would like to turn our attention now um, to some other aspect uh, of yoga because many of us know that yoga plays a very significant role in all kinds of living concerns, right, in the day-to-day lives of people, as we heard, with uh, writing dissertations and managing anxiety or uh, reducing uh, anger tendencies, but it also um, has a lot of benefits in society because yoga communities do a lot of good works or they provide a lot of services, charitable services in the area of education uh, or child care, environmental care, or uh, hunger relief and uh, social safety nets or social safety aids as well. Um, and sometimes I think we don't hear much about other ways that yoga can really serve communities. And we're very um, lucky, I would say, to have our next special guest who's going to talk about the impact of yoga in the media um, So I'd like to extend a warm welcome to Judy Rogers. Judy is the founder and the president of Images and Voices of Hope. So, Judy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Denise. My pleasure. Could you please share with us a little bit about Images and Voices of Hope? Sure. So Images and Voices of Hope, which is shortened to IVOH, and the website's actually IVOH.org. Uh, Images and Voices of Hope is a 20-year-old organization that focuses on uh, making shifts in the media. And folk, the, the real focus is on shifting the impact that media has on audiences. So when we began 20 years ago, the question that we had is, what is the impact of public image making and public storytelling on society? And we knew that media people count everything, right? They count Nielsen ratings, Mm -hmm. they count box office receipts, they count magazine subscriptions, and they're generally incentivized for getting somewhere first. Um, our shift in focus was to say, what's going on for the people experiencing your media? And the way we've gone about that is to introduce reflective dialogue and reflective practice, uh, or what you would call yoga. And it's, uh, I've got to say, it's not a natural for, for people in media. And there were moments when uh, we had some real skepticism. But our point has been, if you're going to shift the way you're seeing the world and telling stories about the world, you need to be able to step back, which is what yoga, what contemplation, what reflection allow you to do. So um, we have... Uh, we usually hold a meeting once a year in the Catskill Mountains um, of New York to bring them together, allow them to step away from their the pressures of their practice, and to consider a lot of questions that normally don't come up. So in the reflections, uh, we might ask them about, why did you go into this? What is the? What do you consider to be the purpose of your work? 
what's the impact you'd like to have? When you think of the media stories of the past year, what is one story that has moved you? Why did it move you? What's going on in that narrative? Um, so the, the, the reflective practices around reorienting them away from being the most sensationalistic uh, uh, phenomenon or the, uh, the first to report to really having the kind of impact they want to have. Um, we, uh, about in 2013, we took a bit of a shift. Um, you, some would remember that in December of 2012, there was a shooting at the Sandy Hook Elementary School, and um, 26 and 7 year olds were, were killed, and a number of adults. And at that time, the local paper um, was saying, we need a redemptive narrative. We need a way to help our town get unstuck. And of course, since that time, that kind of scene has been repeated many times. So we said, let's focus on, let's refocus here on something we're calling restorative narrative. How do people in media tell stories that restore wholeness, that restore a sense of safety, that restore meaning, that restore uh, hope, that restore faith? And so for that work, we have, we held several colloquia. Um, we held a couple of summits where we brought in reflective practitioners to kind of guide the process. And we also began a fellows program, uh, bringing in people who are telling tough stories, writing about tough stories, and working with them to make those stories into restorative narratives so that the people who are reading and hearing them, um, Get uh, don't aren't left with a sense of disaster or uh, despair. It's so significant uh, because it really does provide people with a sense of hope and inspiration, uh, and it shows that there is resiliency within human life and living. So um, that is so significant uh, that you're able to do this kind of work. Well, your what focus on resilience is, is really the point, Denise. I mean, um, it, you know, the, if, if the media continues to tell stories that leave people in despair, they don't have the ability to get up and dust themselves off and start rebuilding. And when there's now a lot of research to support what yogis would know naturally, which is that when the mind and heart are in... Uh, conditions of love or faith or gratitude or awe or inspiration or these kinds of, of inner states, they have more capacity. They have more, they have, they're more creative. They're, people are more pro-social. People are able to reach out and begin to uh, take actions they couldn't have taken before. So these, these conditions that contemplation and yoga introduce into the individual, whether it's the media, whether it's a reporter or a, a filmmaker, or it's someone sitting in an audience watching a film or at home listening to a radio story. You know, when those stories stop with the disaster, when they stop with the explosion or the death count or whatever, people are left uh, diminished. They're left uh, weakened. 
And when the stories continue and they drive towards resilience and empathy, then people begin to come back. Mary, yes. any last moment insights from uh, what we've heard Judy explain? Yeah, it was very beautiful. It was very and the mind. It was very beautiful the way that she expressed how yoga is really a a fabric that allows us to be our best. And I think that this is a message that we need to portray now about yoga is it's not just about doing poses. You actually don't even have to do the poses, but it's a way of of a practice that allows you to be open, to be non-judgmental, and to connect with others. Perfect. That's a perfect observation. It really brings... um your contribution and Judy's together. Um, I think that we've been able to see how um, an individual person practicing meditation uh, can have substantial uh, positive change and shifts in their own life and how uh, Judy's work with the media can affect so many people um, in, in different ways and that it, it brings us to the individual watching the story or reading the story uh, to society at large to create different narratives and different ways of approaching um, situations that have occurred. Um, so thank you for bringing these ideas to us and, and to allow us to foster even more uh, about broader implications for yoga with health and well-being. I appreciate both of you being with us today and contributing your wisdom and your insight. Um, Thank you, everyone. We're going to take a short break now, and when we return, we'll talk about the kinds of events that take place around the world for the annual observance of the International Day of Yoga. Over the last 18 months, this Convergence radio series has been covering events on the road to 2020. Launched in New York in 2016, the Road to 2020 is a series of global events bringing greater visibility to the work of unity, peace, justice, harmony, and world transformation. Events so far have included the Crestone Convergence in Colorado, the return to country of Mungo Man in Australia, and New Day Festival in Ethiopia. Next along the road is the Toronto Convergence, coinciding with the Parliament of World's Religions in November 2018. 2019 will showcase New Day Festival in India, land of spiritual harmony. And then it's to Jerusalem for World Interfaith Harmony Week 2020, where many will gather for healing and deep transformation. The culmination of all this is the Caravan of Unity across America in September 2020, beginning on the West Coast and finishing back in New York, where it began on the International Day of Peace, September 21st. For more information and to get on the road, go to unity.earth and follow the links to the road to 2020. Welcome back to The Convergence on Voice America and our special program on the International Day of Yoga. This is your co-host, Denise Scotto. 
of the International Day of Yoga Committee at the UN. It's been an exciting round of discussions we've had so far on this program, and I'm sure this segment will be just as special. We're going to be talking about events and celebrations for the International Day of Yoga around the world, and our special guest on this section is Philip Helmick. He's the Director of Peace and Director of the International Day of Yoga Summit for the SHIFT Network. Welcome, Philip. We're so delighted you can join us today. Hi, Denise. It's just really wonderful, and I just want to thank you and the UN NGO Committee for the International Day of Yoga for helping found this day. I also want to uh, thank Kurt Johnson with the Convergence on Voice America and Karuna G. and Sharon with Light on Light Magazine. So thank you, Denise. So, Philip, can you tell us how you first learned about the International Day of Yoga? <laughs> well, I think just like everyone else, it was in the news feed. I was like, are you serious? The United Nations just passed the International Day of Yoga? And when we heard that here at the Shift Network, we were just like thrilled. I mean, for me, I've been practicing Kriya Yoga since, you know, for 20-some years now. And, and so I just really know, and having worked on peace building for 30-some years, I just know how important yoga is to personal transformation and collective transformation. So we were thrilled. We were thrilled, and that gave birth to uh, what we call the Yoga Day Summit. So can you tell us a little bit more about what the Yoga Day Summit is? <laughs> yeah, the Yoga Day Summit, it's, it's been a, just an incredible opportunity to produce this. Um, it's an online summit. We offer it free on the International Day of Yoga. It's online for a couple of days free there. And when we created it, when we first came about, we just this was one of those situations where we just kind of jumped into it. And Stephen Dynan, the founder of the Shift Network, is close friends with Swami Chidananda Saraswatiji and Sadvi Bhagavati Saraswatiji at Paramatiktan Ashram. And he knew that they had an international yoga festival that they've been doing now for 29 years. And so he sent me over there um, and to the International Yoga Festival on the bank of the Holy Ganges River in the foothills of the Himalayas and at this yoga festival where people from now, they have people from 100 countries that come to this annual event. And so what we did is we created a Yoga Day Summit with a lot of interviews from there in Rishikesh with world-renowned yoga teachers from around the world with incredible spiritual beings and scientists and musicians, and then people who have traveled from many different countries to be there. And so the Yoga Day Summit now is this free offering with this inc- these incredible videos. Again, a, a majority of them filmed there in Rishikesh, India, which is the, capital, the world capital of, of yoga or the yoga capital of the world, and it's also considered the, one of the birthplaces of yoga in the world. And, and so we have these, these amazing interviews looking at the ancient roots of yoga and the deeper essence of yoga, along with how yoga is helping in uh, tra- modern times and transformation, both personal and collective. We also, we have interviews from other parts of the world. Um, we partner with Paramat Nikitan Ashram, also with Uplift, which is based in Australia, and so they're able, to, they're able to bring in some interviews from other parts of the world, too. And, I, these, you know, having, again, practiced yoga for 20-some years and been working in peace building, this summit is such a joy to share with the world. This year we'll have over 12 hours of content. We have 
a beautiful opening by Swami Chidnana Saraswatiji uh, with just a beautiful blessing and a message about International Day of Yoga. We've got, there's so many incredible interviews. And again, it's, it's unlike any other, um, it, it's special in the sense that it's filmed there on the bank of the Ganges. And if you know anything about Rishikesh area, this is where the Beatles went back in 1968. This is where the Beatles went to explore meditation and yoga. This is an area where for thousands of years, great saints and sages have been practicing yoga and meditations along the bank of the Ganges in the caves, reaching states of enlightenment. So there's a special presence to Rishikesh area. And then to see people from, this last year there were people from 100 countries, over 2,000 people. And as Sadhvi says, it's really, the International Yoga Festival is really helping bring about global yoga. Yoga meaning union. And, and so by having people from all races, different religions, you know, 100 countries around the world, all brought together looking at yoga and how yoga is transforming their life, helping them find union of mind, body, and spirit, finding union of, with, with nature and union with, within families and relationships and ultimately union of soul with spirit. So this, this summit is just a really deep dive into, again, the ancient roots, the deeper essence, um, the ancient wisdom of how yoga helps with personal transformation. It can be healing mind, body, health, body, spirit, it can be healing in relationships. It can be healing in terms of how do we deal with political tensions in the world. Uh, we have incredible interviews looking at that. Um, and then ultimately, union of one's own soul with spirit. So, Denise, it is such a joy to share the Yoga Day Summit. I would encourage everybody who's listening to this call to be on the lookout for the Shift Network's Yoga Day Summit 2018. I agree with you, Philip, that it would be an incredible gift for people to even listen to a few minutes of any of these interviews. And I'd like to share, for those of you who don't know, um, Philip mentioned Swami Chidananda. Uh, uh, Pooja Swami uh, Chidananda and Sadhvi, and you know, Pooja Swami and Sadhvi were special guests at the UN for Yoga Day 2017. There were several events that happened, and they came, they spoke about the work that they're doing in many different ways. Um, some people are aware that. Pooja Swami is involved with the Global uh, Interfaith Wash Alliance, which is really having an emphasis on water, sanitation, and hygiene, and as he likes to say, building toilets instead of temples. And they're doing incredible work that touches the lives of people in their community all over India and having a lot of other people get together to have a better understanding of the importance of clean water, sanitation, and hygiene. So the fact that they're hosting this special yoga festival uh, that brings together people from all over the world really has incredible impacts. As you said, it's about 
having an influence on one's mind, body, and health, but it, it goes far beyond that. Would you agree with that, Philip? You know, it, it absolutely does. Yoga, and Swamiji likes to say, you know, yoga is every day. Every day is yoga. And yoga is really, it's a way of life. It's a way of being. It's a way of recognizing that we're not separate. We're not separate from one another. We're not separate from nature. We're not separate from the environment. We're, 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 we're actually all connected, and we're all expressions of a similar source. And yoga is... It's, it's interesting, Denise, as, as I've heard many yoga teachers and people at the International Yoga Festival and other interviews in the Yoga Day Summit say, you do yoga and yoga does you. I mean, yoga is an ancient science estimated to be five to 10,000 years old. And this is a science in the sense that you don't have to listen to dogma or, or any type of theories you do the practices and look to your own experiences. And I have interviewed so many people who, I, I've interviewed people who have been, um, one person who was stage four cancer and a broken back who is now a yoga teacher. I've interviewed a professional uh, NFL football player who was paralyzed and healed himself through yoga. There's so many stories about how yoga helps a personal transformation, again, this healing of body, body, mind, and spirit. And then the thing that's beautiful, Denise, is when I've heard so many people speak that when they start to do yoga, they start to sense their connectedness with something bigger than themselves. And service is a natural response. Yoga actually leads people to serving one another. And the fact that, as you said, 177 countries at the United Nations endorse yoga, it means, first of all, there's, there's a hunger for yoga. It's spreading around the world. And a, a big part is, you know, this ancient science is a way of addressing modern um, tensions and stress and concerns. And people come to yoga from many different ways. Some people come in because they want better abs. Some people are stressed out. Some people are ill. Some people just want the physical exercise, and yet as each person starts to do yoga, and again, there's many different types of yoga, it starts to transform a person, opens them up to this deeper essence of themselves, and what's beautiful is neuroscience is starting to research, they're starting to, to validate what parts of the brain get activated through yoga. What is it that's happening on a neurological level that leads a person to be more compassionate, caring, forgiving. And, and so we have this intersection of this ancient wisdom, ancient science of yoga with modern neuroscience that's showing, that's documenting the impact of yoga. And then there's, it, it's just fabulous, Denise, all the stories of personal and collective transformation. And it's so beautiful to think that more and more people around the world are practicing yoga. It gives me great hope that humanity can uh, take collective transformation. You know, I also agree with you about that, Philip, the hunger of people um, and this way of coming together through yoga uh, to create a better world with the idea of sincere service uh, really is something that has um, expanded. And I see that this is something that is only expanding more and more from the work that I've been doing at the UN in terms of my advocacy work on human rights to a lot of the other work that goes on in our local community here where I am in New York City. Um, it seems 
that people are really understanding yoga as a way of life, as you said that, and interacting with people in a different way, understanding the underlying principles and values about yoga, that we're humans and it's about our shared humanity and our humanness where we come together so that we can respect the dignity of other people and help with our own actions and our own collective actions to uh, create something that's bigger than ourself and that creates a better world uh, for other people in their own daily life. Um, It seems to me that the uh, gift that the UN gave us is to have Yoga Day now celebrated on June 21 because it allows so many ways to celebrate the day, observe the day, but then allows us to challenge ourselves to go further. How can we go further and beyond? So one last question before we wrap up um, is, how do you see uh, yourself going further and beyond? What's your next step? (laughs) That's a wonderful question. And this is where I love thinking about Swami Chidnanda Saraswatiji and again, Sadhvi Bhagwati Saraswati and other people I've interviewed is, is, you know, I, I just love um, Pooja Swamiji. He's such a beautiful soul. And they talk about just awakening to this natural intelligence inside. And then that will lead a person in ways that we can never imagine. And another yogi who I love is Michael Singer, the author of The Surrender Experiment. And we have a talk by Michael, New York Times bestselling uh, book. Is, is that when we start to tap into that natural intelligence, it starts to express itself through us in ways that we can never, ever imagine. And, and so I see myself personally going deeper into this practice and then serving what's in front of me each moment of the day with as much love and just as much love and brilliance as I can. And so... For the it's a shift network that you know that will mean bringing more and more of the teachings of yoga and more and more work I do with the peace building out to people in ways that is accessible and meaningful, and then it also means simply living a good life day to day with each person that I meet. So you know there's there's the bigger picture, there's a smaller picture, and then there's a surrendering and serving to this natural intelligence. And again, I want to thank, you know, Swami Puja Swamiji and, and Savaji. And also I want to point people to Michael Singer's The Surrender Book because it really explains that dynamic of serving, really serving what life brings to us and letting go of any preconceived judgments or prejudices about the way we think the world should be. And, and by doing that, we actually serve and make a greater impact. So thank you, Denise. Thanks to you. You've painted such a vivid picture of the celebrations in India at Parmath Nikitan, and um, even more so for uh, sharing your heartfelt words for your own uh, experience. It, It was really beautiful to hear that. So thank you so much for that offering to us uh, because that gives us inspiration and hope and challenge. So thank you so much, Philip. Uh, I look forward to tuning in to uh, the Shift Yoga Day Summit for 2018. Um, But now I really think another fitting way uh, to end this segment is by playing a short clip of Karuna 
speaking with the legendary yogini Gurmak Kaur Khalsa. Karuna is asking Gurmak about how one gets on the path of yoga. Um, so we'll close this segment with this clip because it begins with them intoning uh, a short chant together and then talking about the yogic path. And then the uh, clip ends with some sacred music, which will take us to break. So blessings, Gurmukh, and thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. I'm so honored. I know it's it's such an honor to um, be able to sit with you one-on-one and be able to share with everyone because everybody, in my view, needs to know about you. Mm. And I know everybody will relish in this, in the fact that they get to sit with you for these next couple of moments. Mm. So if I may indulge mm. and ask Please. you a few questions about your connection with Yogi Bhajan, mm-hmm. our teacher, and, um, and how, how you knew at a young age of 27, right, mm-hmm. to give up all the rest of your earlier path to come into this path and say yes. Mm. It wasn't really giving up anything. Mm-mm. It wasn't like I had to pull myself from something. I was done with that chapter. And so I never encourage people to give up anything until it gives them up. I watch it over and over and over all around the world. Young women, young men who are lost. It's a period of being lost. Some aren't, but many are. Because they never were taught spirituality as children. They were never taught about consciousness. They were never taught about really the truth of what happiness is. That you live from your heart, you're kind, you have a practice that returns you back to the source every day. Most parents didn't teach that. And so they have to wander around and wonder why they're here. Many go the intellectual route, they go to college, they get bachelor's, PhDs, they get jobs, they earn a lot of money, and some just stay that way their whole lives. Maybe they crash at 40, say, wow, what am I doing? I'm drinking, I'm drugging. But if you can be young, and catch it young, um, then you have a whole life and much more time to grow. But again, it's all grace. When you meet a teacher, when a book falls on your head at the library, or a friend says, come to a yoga class. But I would say to young people, if you know how to pray, just say, oh, creator, or who you ever identify with, please show me the way. And you will be shown whether it's, again, a teacher, a way, a building, a travel, you never know. But please show me the way. 
And then there's, um, thank you for that so much. I'm, I know that's going to be so incredible for people to hear, listen, and, to, and learn from this right now. Um, also, I, I'm a big fan of selfless service, of seva. Mm-hmm. And if, if there's not a purpose in my life to serve, I know, you know, that what, what am I doing? I'm just taking care right. of me and I'm not going out and taking care of right. someone Right, you're just taking so there's no up dharma. space. Just taking up But space. it's real hard sometimes when kids are so self-absorbed to just go out and do selfless service. But what you could say, do you like kids? Go, go to a, um, you know, we teach in high schools, we go down to inner city and help those kids. Or if you like to garden, get involved in a community garden, something that you have a love for, and that will lead you to solution in your own life. And Yogi Bhajan and I said, if you're depressed, find someone more depressed than you. Mm-hmm. When you don't have any money, find someone who has less money than you. Um, all of that is really true, because then you reach out and the hand of God just takes your hand and leads you to your next step. Thank you, Karuna. You're welcome. Thank you, Karuna, so much. Thank you. Eighteen months. This Convergence radio series has been covering events on the road to 2020. Launched in New York in 2016, the Road to 2020 is a series of global events bringing greater visibility to the work of unity, peace, justice, harmony, and world transformation. Events so far have included the Crestone Convergence in Colorado, the return to country of Mungo Man in Australia, and Uday Festival in Ethiopia. Next along the road is the Toronto Convergence, coinciding with the Parliament of World's Religions in November 2018. 2019 will showcase Uday Festival in India, land of spiritual harmony. And then it's to Jerusalem for World Interfaith Harmony Week 2020, where many will gather for healing and deep transformation. The culmination of all this is the Caravan of Unity across America in September 2020, beginning on the West Coast and finishing back in New York, where it began on the International Day of Peace, September 21st. For more information and to get on the road, go to unity.earth and follow the links to the road to 2020. Welcome back to The Convergence on Voice America. This is Denise Scotto, Chair of the International Day of Yoga Committee at the United Nations. I'm pleased to welcome everyone as we continue to discuss the fullness and richness of yoga and what that means in the work of the UN, but also how it applies in different ways to everyday life. Our special guest now has been an active member of the International Day of Yoga Committee. And she's been involved with teaching yoga as a yoga practitioner, but a yoga teacher. 
I'm so thrilled to invite Dennis Raikul to join us today. Welcome, Denise. Thank you so much, Denise. It's my honor to be here. And thank you for your host on Voice America. Well, we've already spoken about the benefits of practicing yoga on health and well-being with some of our prior guests. And now I'd like to ask you to describe yoga's application to sustainable living, um, the simple care for our earth and our, and our lifestyles um, through the various projects that you've been involved in. You represent yoga in daily life at the UN and Sri Swami Madhavananda World Peace Council. Can you tell us a little bit about that work? Yes, thank you for the question. So I will just start to mention that um, objective aim of Yoga and Daily Life International Organization that has presence in 34 countries, 200 cities. It's for health, physical, mental, social, and spiritual health, in harmony with nature and a respect for all life because we are part of the nature. So um, in doing so, we are engaged on the individual level, community level, and global level, supporting work of the United Nations, especially in achievement of sustainable development goals. And both organizations, Yoga and Daily Life and Sri Swami Mandalanda World Peace Council, have been active um, in contributing to United Nations goals. And I'm honored to be a member of uh, International Yoga Day Committee and be involved in ongoing uh, effort and programs at the United Nations. So um, care about the nature and environment is embedded in yoga practice and principles. Um, we are, yoga says that we are all interconnected and um, there is underlying consciousness that abides in all existence. So besides caring for human body and providing health, we also care for environment. And the basic principles of yoga is nonviolence. And it's manifested mostly through vegetarian diet of most yogis. I've been, I have been vegetarian myself for over 20 years. Uh, being vegetarian not just benefits personal health, but also really contributes, contributes to environmental protection because the science already has proved that animal agriculture, which uses farm, farmland to grow crops and uh, to feed livestock, is leading cause of deforestation, water consumption, and pollution. So, beside that, our international community really engages in reforestation and in many, um, many uh, um, initiatives, uh, especially in India, in rural Rajasthan, um, which are also part of caring for environment. One of the leading, leading projects um, in Jadan is uh, rainwater harvesting, which is an initiative started in 2002. And it's, uh, it uses traditional water catchment from the monsoon rain 
to sustain water for the months of drought in the summer. So uh, in the village of Jadan, this uh, artificial lake was built that can hold 32 million gallons of water. So when the monsoon rain fell, fell down, then the, this water is preserved for the months of the drought and provides fresh water for the ashram and for neighboring communities. And the effect of this, uh, this project has also risen the level of underground waters, so which, come, which came below 10 meters, which, is, which makes much easier for the neighboring villages to have their wells and to reach water. It's such an impressive project. I mean, it really uh, is something that is just helping, uh, you know, the earth and uh, everyone involved in the community. I mean, how wonderful is that? It's so beautiful, like so many of the other projects. I I wonder if you could share a little bit about the um, planting of the peace trees and, and saving birds and maybe a couple of uh, sentences about some of the other animal welfare projects, uh, though you did allude uh, a little bit to them when you spoke a bit about vegetarianism and nonviolence. Um, but if you could tell us a little bit more about some of the other projects, because it really brings to life that we are part of nature, and it brings to life how, um, you know, your organizations are promoting sustainable development and caring for the earth and promoting the SDGs in that way. It really can give us ideas and inspire us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, related with this rate, uh, rainwater harvesting project and this lake creating in Jadan, Rajasthan, which is uh, on, in the land that was almost deserted, desert. So by having this lake there, uh, there was possible to, uh, to plant uh, trees, and there were more than 200,000 trees planted. So this part of Rajasthan has really become an oasis and has proven that it's, it's possible, even in a desert, to bring life. Um, there are Miracles are possible, yes, they are. Yes, and there are international, in different countries, similar projects. For example, in Croatia, the country they are, that I come from, in 2015, um, there, was, uh, there were 800 fruit trees planted in the National Preserve of Wetland, Kopachkirit, and the focus lately is to plant uh, fruit trees to benefit birds and bees. So this was uh, last few years we were focused more on planting um, fruit trees. And the initiative of planting peace trees, uh, this was initiated by my yoga master, uh, Vishwaguru Paramhanswami Maheshwarananda, who is uh, the uh, founder of Yoga and Daily Life, and um, Madhavananda World Peace Council. And uh, so he was planted, he planted about 80 trees, peace trees, all over the world in different cities. Usually in um, organization, in yoga and daily life societies, and community leaders in different countries. And these trees are really a symbol of uh, peace and um, mutual understanding 
and we organize peace tree plantings usually by inviting community members, um, people from government, uh, different religious groups to initiate this peace tree. In 2013, we planted the peace tree in Alley Pond in Darvaston, Queens. And uh, this is also a national preserve of wetland. And um, it was a very impressive uh, event. And we had a, a maple tree there that I regularly visit and the groups of Yoga and the Life New York take care of. So we're um, really having a very rich discussion about how we can be caring for our earth and at the same time the actions that we take uh, also nourish us. So by having this maple in your local community, it's something that we're giving back to the earth and yet receiving from the earth at the same time. Um, So that's really beautiful. I would love to expand a little bit more about the symbolism of peace and the work that you're doing on behalf of Sri Swami Madhavananda World Peace Council uh, in the world, but also recently um, at the UN, you held a special peace conference back in March uh, talking about yoga for world peace. Yes, um, with the help and collaboration with the International Yoga Day Committee, and especially your help, uh, this event was possible, and also with the help of uh, Enlightenment Society from UN, that was a feature event for our organization in this year, and um, uh, continuation of 15 years of organizing such conferences, summits to promote peace with the motto of word peace in, is in your hands, in our hands. So in, or, in order to uh, preach peace to others, we really need to find our inner peace. And this is uh, what yoga and meditation really help with. So uh, we had this event on March 7th um, uh, with the international panel of speakers from uh, different countries and continents. We have guests from India um, and uh, representatives of UN and diplomats, academia. And it was a rich discussion of implementation yoga and examples how yoga contributes in working environments uh, to promote peace of individuals and in relations. Well, I really appreciate you explaining a little bit and giving everyone a taste about some of the work that goes on with regard to yoga and promoting world peace and nonviolence. The world peace in our hands uh, that you spoke about is such a beautiful um, example of a way for us to think about uh, that concept, which can be so big and overwhelming uh, when we see what's happening around us. Uh, So it takes uh, a little bit uh, from us every day uh, to create a better world and to create a more peaceful world. So I'd like to take this moment to thank you, Denise, for sharing so much, uh, for giving us hope, and for uh, giving us the ability to believe in miracles again. 
So thank you so much, and I look forward to celebrating the International Day of Peace 2018 with you in New York in just a couple of weeks. Thank you, Denise. Thank you for having me in. Om Shanti. I'd also like to take this moment to thank uh, all of our guests who've joined this special program. All of our guests have shared exciting uh, information, and I'd like to thank Dr. Padmini Murthy, BK, Sister Mary Friedland, Judy Rogers, founder of Images and Voices of Hope, Philip Hemlick, The Shift Network and the International Day of Yoga Festival, Gurmak Kaur Kalsa and Karuna, and again, Denise Lykul. Now, let's join the host team at Voice America for a wrap-up on such an exciting and informative special program on Voice America about the International Day of Yoga. But before I do, I just want to express my deepest gratitude to Dr. Kurt Johnson, Karuna, and Shannon for allowing me and all our special guests to bring the UN to everyone listening so we can expand the understanding of its work and its goals and the values and to encourage uh, everyone to be in touch with us. It's been my personal joy, so I thank you from the bottom of my heart and I'm handing it back now to you, Dr. Kurt Johnson, and to you, Karuna. Well, thank you so much, Denise, for co-hosting and shepherding what has been a wonderful discussion about the International Day of Yoga with you and the United Nations Committee for the International Day of Yoga. I'm here now with you and Karuna from the Voice America host team and from Light on Light magazine. Karuna herself will be part of the Yoga Day Summit, which you spoke of so delightfully with Philip Helmick of the Shift Network. So first of all, Karuna, especially because you were also a part of our Spotlight on Yoga special program here on Voice America in April, what has been your reaction to hearing all of this wonderful information from our United Nations colleagues about this year's International Day of Yoga? Well, I'm beside myself, Dr. Kurt I'm, and Denise. I'm really, I'm so excited and feel so blessed. And over the three decades that I've been practicing yoga, I have finally come to this place where we're actually getting it out there. And we're really getting it out there. And it's just like this tapestry of miracles being woven into this huge puzzle. We're all coming together from India, from, you know, America, from Africa, from everywhere in the world. We're reuniting. And we've been united before because we've all lived in nature, as you've just so clearly gave us these examples of how we are a sustainable um, unit and full of yoga and spirit and peace and love and compassion. Our world is this huge, huge village of youth that are walking this path of spirit, that are coming back to being vegetarians, that are working together and it's just in from all of us at Voice America and all of us around the world for International Day of Yoga, can we bow? Can we bow to the peace within us and know that the wisdom and grace, Denise, that you have brought here for us and Kurt, that you have made this available, Voice America, it's just, it's 
just the most beautiful part of living is to live in harmony with nature, respect for all life, because we are part of this huge awakening. And I just, I just love what Yogananda said, simplify and you will find and you will attune and you will acquire the source of success. And that's getting back every single solitary day to just that 3.11.61 minute moment of your life. Do it for yourself. And thank you again, Denise. I can't even tell you how happy I am. Thank you so much. Hey, great. Thanks so much, Karuna. So, Denise, this leads me to one final question about the International Day of Yoga and the ongoing plans of the United Nations Committee to nurture it. Uh, Denise, could you tell us a bit about what your plans are for the future, best-case scenario, concerning the International Day of Yoga and the plans of your committee for its further development and celebration around the world? Well, Kurt, I'm with Karuna in terms of really getting it out there, you know, really getting the underlying principles and values of yoga out there. In the work of the UN, we have a long, long way to go. In the work of member states, when they talk about health and they deliver health services for their uh, citizens, um, that is one area. But at the same time, I want to say that it's about being open you know, and to seeing what is happening and to really speaking with other people, connecting with other people. Just maybe three months ago, I never would have thought that for the International Day of Yoga 2018, we would be able to partner and to have this special collaboration and special with Voice America on the convergence. So it's just amazing to have this radio special as well as the special edition of the e-magazine, Light on Light. You know, those things are something that are special gifts for everyone that really can highlight the way yoga has been introduced into the U.N. and how it's applied in the daily lives of people who are affiliated with the U.N. and the greater U.N. community. So um, there's a balance about having goals and taking action and at the same time being present and seeing what is possible, Um, and also about linking with people and connecting, because yoga is union, and how can we connect so that we can come together and expand on our skills and expand upon our uh, gifts that we have so that they amplify and get out. I just want to take one more sentence to say that on June 19th in the evening, the International Day of Yoga Committee is having a special event in New York that's going to be in the Tillman Chapel at the Church Center for the UN where we're coming together and we're really going to focus now on more of a reflective kind of uh, evening where we really do have contemplative practice of yoga with meditation and some yoga teachers and um, musicians affiliated with Juilliard. So we're sort of done so much to expand and go outward with the Voice America special and the Light on Light e-magazine special edition journal. And the event that we're going to have is now going inward and and uh, having that kind of focus for this year. So there's a lot to do. There's a lot that's going on, and I challenge everyone to be with us in spirit, be with us when you can physically. Look at our Facebook page, Facebook, 
backslash Yoga Day Committee. Listen to the special Shift Network Yoga Day Summit that they're having. There's so much to do. And again, thank you for everything, Dr. Kurt Johnson, Karuna, and Shannon. It's my great pleasure and honor to be part of this and to help with our expansion of human consciousness. Well, the pleasure was all ours, Denise, and this was quite an adventure putting together this special and also the the light-on-light issue on the International Day of Yoga. Now, I think we can all agree that this has been an amazingly informative program, not only on yoga, but on the international celebration of it yearly and the role of the United Nations in doing so. So in summing up, we invite our listeners to enjoy the special Light on Light magazine issue on all of this, which also appears on June 15th as well. So it's easily located by simply Googling Light on Light magazine or Light on Light magazine, I-S-S-U-U. That's Light on Light magazine, I-S-S-U-U. And you'll also see there our special issue from April on the Spotlight on Yoga. Now, the website for this Voice America program with the accompanying additional information, bios of all of our guests, and related videos can be found by just going to unity.earth and clicking on Convergence 2. That's www.unity.earth. Click on Convergence 2, Episode 6, the International Day of Yoga with the United Nations Committee for the International Day of Yoga. So thank you, Denise, for being such a great host and bringing so many amazing guests onto this program to showcase what will be coming up with the International Day of Yoga on June 21st. So again, a big thank you to you and thanks to Karuna and Shannon and all the other guests. Now the Convergence will be back soon with a wonderful special that we've been planning for some time. It's a special on emerging communities around the world and especially in relation to Unity Earth's many upcoming Road to 2020 events, which you've heard so much about from Ben Bowler at the breaks on this program. So we'll keep you posted on that. So until then, thanks to everyone for listening, and lots of love to all. Thank you for joining our team, Dr. Kurt Johnson, Ben Bowler, and Doug King for The Convergence. We invite you to tune in again next Thursday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for another edition of the program. Until we talk again, have an outstanding week. Like tragedies, democracy wakes up diseased. Yeah.